Thanks for tuning in to Leesburg Daily, a Monday through Friday podcast where we read scripture, study it together, and apply it to our lives. Today we pick up in John chapter 8, and this is a, uh, an interesting passage we'll deal with today uh, because of its content, uh, because of its historicity. Um, this is an interesting passage and something that's often looked over uh, because we have a really bad habit of not reading the small print in our Bibles. Um, so this is a controversial text, and granted, we've just got to accept that, um, but most people aren't aware of the controversy here. So we're going to dive in, we're going to spend some time today talking about um, uh, the the what we have, the structure of what we have, and I'm not sure, truthfully, I'll keep, try to keep my eye on the time, and I'm not sure if we'll get through the text itself, um, uh, but more so, uh, and, that, and that would be specifically chapter 7, verse 53, uh, through chapter 8, verse 11. Uh, I'm not sure how much of the text we'll actually deal with, uh, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I want to start off by talking about what we have uh, in the scripture as a whole. Um, I would really love at some point at Leesburg to be able to do a class, a small group, um, uh, you know, four or five weeks on how the Bible came to be. How did we get the Bible? Uh, because as uh, we, you are probably aware, uh, the Bible just wasn't produced as it is. Um, the Bible is a collection of, 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 of many books or letters that have been con- compiled into one book that we call the Bible. And so what we have is we have... A collection of books that are inspired and when we talk about inspired uh, we mean that some uh, throughout scripture attest to itself that it is uh, dictated from the Lord but inspiration is not only dictation uh, some of these texts are written uh, large for example the New Testament is is written um, using human authors in this case a gospel attributed to John under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Um, what we have in chapter 7, verse 53 through 8, verse 11, is a chunk of passage that is not present in the earliest manuscripts that we have. So let me pause and say a word about what we have of the New Testament. Uh, we have none, zero, of the original um, letters or biographies of Jesus. We, we don't have any of the originals. What we have uh, are copies uh, and copies of copies. And so uh, the original has, uh, by the Lord's provision, in my opinion, has been lost, has been destroyed. Uh, and, and so what would happen is someone would write, let's say, the biography of Jesus called John. Someone would write that and then it would be copied and then copied again and the copy would be copied and the copy would be copied um, and there would be multiple copies of copies of copies made and distributed uh, around the, the world and our job as uh, well not my job or your job but uh, the job of the church historically has been to find these manuscripts to find these writings uh, from caves and from uh, buried in, in, in rubble um, and compare these writings with other writings. Uh, 
And when we look at uh, the, the, the copies of copies that we have present, if we were to stack them, uh, stack them like a stack of papers, uh, they would be over a mile long. Uh, we have uh, uh, many, many copies of copies of copies. And uh, largely, um, what we have is we have very few differences in the copies. Generally, it is spelling differences where people might spell, uh, you know, like in the English language, you have there and layer, T-H-E-I-R and T-H-E-R-E. Well, if you're uh, listening to someone uh, read and you are copying as they read aloud, sometimes you might confuse those words. And that's what we have. Um, the large majority of issues that we have today are spelling errors, are um, uh, punctuation errors, and the differences amongst the differences that we have. Uh, John chapter 7 verse 53 re reads, and everyone went to his home. Chapter 8 verse 1 says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Um, these verses aren't in the earliest manuscripts. They have been added uh, somewhere around, I believe, the 12th century. So the question then becomes, well, what do we do with a passage that has been added later into John's Gospel? Uh, is it still authoritative? Um, that's a question that we should ask. Uh, is this still authoritative? Why would we add it to that? Or why would the church allow it to be added? Um, and, uh, and what's the purpose of it? Another big question is, well, then who wrote it? If you look at the, um, the writing style of these few verses, these 12 verses, um, we see that it doesn't really match the style of John. Um, it's much more like Luke, and so and so, uh, who wrote it, and why would it be inserted here? And those those are all great questions that have been asked uh, throughout the the years. What it appears is we it appears to have been a well known story, uh, one of many that circulated orally uh, from the beginning, uh, yet none of the gospel writers were led to include. Uh, you know, John tells himself. Uh, that he only writes and he's only shared in his gospel. He's only shared a sum of what Jesus said. And if Jesus, all of Jesus' teachings and stories were written down, uh, the books would populate the earth, John says. And so um, it appears that this is a well-known story that was circulated, yet none of the uh, Bible authors or writers were included. But sometime... In the later church, uh, they thought that this one was too good to leave out. And so the controversy with the teachers of the law and with the Pharisees um, in verse 3 is similar, in chapter 8, verse 3 is similar uh, to the stories that are found in the synoptics, which Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke. And, and there's a, also the theme of God's mercy that is mediated by Jesus. And so this is a really a, a, a wonderful story. And so this story has been added. Uh, now, most of Christianity historically has accepted um, this story as authoritative. Uh, modern scholarship uh, 
although concluding firmly that it was not part of John's original gospel, has generally recognized that this story describes an event from the life of Jesus. Uh, and it is well written and it's theologically profound as anything else within the gospels. And so uh, modern scholarship, um, even though we know that it wasn't originally part of John's gospel, have accepted it uh, because of its content, because of its themes, because of its uh, historicity, and it's it's clearly a story uh, that was written about Jesus depicting an event in his life. And so what we have here is a bit of uh, material, uh, much more like Matthew, Mark, or Luke, that's stuck in the middle of John's Gospel. And its presence highlights some of the similarities between John and the other Gospels. The setting is one of controversy uh, in the temple, uh, though it's introduced much more like Luke's style. Uh, the theme of judgment also corresponds with the theme of the larger section of John here, chapter 7 and through chapter 8. Uh, the setting, the theme probably led to its inclusion uh, into John at this point. Most importantly, this story highlights the similarities and the differences between John and the other Gospels regarding Jesus' identity. The, the clarity of Jesus' self-revelation, typical of John and central to this larger chunk of passage here, is missing from this story. Jesus has spoken clearly and openly about himself by the invitation um, his invitation to come and drink from the source of living water. Uh, but our present story is and our present story is immediately followed uh, by another self-revelation of Jesus being the light of the world. But this story doesn't have that that bold proclamation. And, and so there are two questions that should be asked uh about the New Testament specifically. The first question is, we, we should ask is, do we have an accurate copy of the New Testament writings? Well, we know that this isn't in the earliest manuscripts. And so then the second question becomes, did the New Testament writers tell the truth? Is this an honest account? Think about this for just, for just a minute. Out of all the history that you've studied in your life, how much of it have you verified to be true? Think, think about this. Have you ever checked with any eyewitnesses or eyewitness accounts um, of the Gettysburg Address? Or what about the, the moon landing? Now, I don't want to tip a hat to you conspiracy theorists um, um, who, who say that the moon landing didn't happen. Well, whatever. Uh, my point is, have you ever verified these events to be true? And did you ever check with the eyewitness accounts? and then double-check their testimonies. How do you know for certain that these witnesses uh, can be trusted? Most people learn historical facts without ever questioning them. I mean, think about it. Uh, most people accept the story about Abraham Lincoln or Daniel Boone, uh, but when it comes to the Bible, they'll try to punch holes through it. Uh, people today are highly skeptical of the Bible. So whether the Bible is true can change the course of one's life dramatically. Uh, there's more at stake when it comes to the Bible. 
and the more that is at stake, the more skeptical people get. Most people understand that if the Bible is true, the implications for them are great, even if they don't want to submit to those implications. And so why is this important? That's the question that really we need to ask today as we evaluate John chapter 8. Why is this important? You may be listening today and have never really questioned the facts about Jesus from the Bible. Uh, but all around colleges, college campuses uh, and our culture as a whole, uh, you'll run into views that are very different than yours. There are some who will try to talk you out of Christianity. Uh, they may mock you or challenge your Christian views. And as our culture moves further and further uh, from a Christian culture and, and more to a post-Christian culture, uh, we need to be prepared to give a reason for the faith that we have. After all, the ability to give a reason is, is biblical. Second Timothy, uh, Paul tells Timothy to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, uh, re- rebuke, exhort uh, with patience and teaching. In 1 Peter, we're told, but in your heart to honor Christ as the Lord is holy, always uh, being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you, and yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so there are two questions that are fundamental for us to answer as we walk through texts like this, but the Bible as a whole, we should ask these two questions. Do we have an accurate copy of the New Testament writings? And did the New Testament writers tell the truth? Now, that's much more than we could um, uh, cover in just 15 minutes, and we're at the 13-minute mark. And so let me just briefly paraphrase a few arguments, Um, especially when we focus on this text in John chapter 7 and 8 here with this insert of the adulterous woman. Do we have an accurate copy of the Bible? Uh, We have today some 5,700 handwritten manuscripts uh, and they're within 25 years of the original. Um, well, how can we know what the original said? That's the question that should be asked. If we don't have the original, how do we know? When we reconstruct from the manuscripts, about 48 per, I'm sorry, 43% of the 8,000 New Testament verses in the manuscripts from the second century. There are over 36,000 quotations from early church fathers. Um, In addition to the 5,700 Greek manuscripts, there are over 19,000 manuscripts in other languages. And so as a total, when we stack up the the manuscripts, they would be over a mile high. So the question is, do we have an accurate account? Well, well, many manuscripts are fragments. The average New Testament manuscript is 475 pages long. And what we found is 43% of the verses in the New Testament date before 225 A.D., Now, that's a lot of information, but here's the bigger question. How do we know? If someone had the original document, that person could change it. Uh, If there were copies made and distributed all around the world in different languages, in different regions, everyone would know who changed their document um, because you would just be able to trace it back. In other words, the the changed documents would be outliers from the majority of the manuscripts that were not changed. And that's one of the reasons we can say we have a very uh, uh, honest and and truthful New Testament. Uh, It's because of the distribution of New Testament documents. There's much more that could be said. 
but it's important for us, and I, I think we'll end here for today. It's important for us to dive into the question of how we got the Bible and how the Bible came to be. I would encourage you, there's a short ebook um, that's called How the Bible Came to Be. Uh, it's edited by Daniel Hayes. Uh, and it's, I think it's probably $2 on the internet. And it's a great little ebook. Uh, if you're interested in, in how we have the Bible today in its form, this would be a great resource to look into. I, I think it's important for us to answer and ask these questions as we go through, especially when we come to a text, as in John chapter 8, that's not in the earliest manuscripts. Uh, we're going to pause here for today, uh, and we'll pick up tomorrow uh, dealing with... Um, the question of do the New Testament writers tell the truth? And then we'll dive into John chapter 8. Uh, God bless. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to Leesburg Daily, and we will see you tomorrow.